Greetings, everyone. This is Keith Michael, back recently from his trip to Chaosium Con 22, where he shared the stage with John Huck and Seth Gorkowski from Modern Mythos, Cuppy Cup from Ain't Slayed Nobody, and Arthur from the Under the Library podcast. We spoke on podcasting and streaming in our era, how to get started, some tips, some tricks, and really, this audio wasn't even supposed to exist, but I obtained a fan-recorded version from a cell phone, and I thought it would be a wonderful idea to release it to you. And so without further ado, we join the panel in progress. This panel is being moderated by Bridget Jeffries from the Miskatonic University podcast, and she is also Chaosium's brand ambassador from the Miskatonic repository. So, enjoy the show. Uh, but we also have a ton of different one shots from Delta Green to Coriolis uh, to just play. We just uh, we're doing team up episodes now for our patrons with uh, Miskatonic University. So if you're a backer of either show on Patreon, you have the uh, opportunity to get to those exclusive episodes. Cut in the dark. We're going to play a ton of fun things this year. Uh, and yeah, uh, they were crazy enough to let me on the stage. <laughs> so we're going to bring the house down now. I'm John Hook, one of the founding members of the Miskatonic University podcast. Woo! Any award-winning And I'm also the founder of Modern Mythos, which I do with Seth Skorkowski. I don't know how I was able to wrangle him into it, but I'm lucky I did. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It was the Ennies. Yeah. It was the Ennies. It was the Ennies. It was the Ennies. Uh, my name's Arthur. Uh, I am the producer of Under the Library. And we're pretty new to the space, too. We're on episode 40 um, of our weekly show. It is mostly a homebrew. Our keeper's there in the back. Um, we are just starting season two. And in times when we have a full crew, uh, we'll play one-offs. Um, we did uh, Mother's Love most recently. Uh, when we've got time, we'll fill in the gaps with uh, some one-shots. Um, I'm Seth Sporkowski. I'm one half of my this with John, who was uh, most exciting last week. I'm also for doing a YouTube channel on the highly imaginative name Seth Sporkowski, uh, <laughs> which is five years I've been doing that. Um, one in any word. And uh, that's about. Tabletop role-playing games, Call of Cthulhu, and sometimes just really stupid, stupid videos. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, first question we're going to throw out here, and I'm not going to assign it. You can just kind of fight to the death over it. Uh, why did you start your stream product, uh, AP, and uh, why was it for the money? <laughs> <laughs> We'd be at the bar if we were starting for money. <laughs> But, uh, are we, we're just throwing around. I'll go first. All right. So uh, we, we uh, our original cast, we are college football bloggers, and we all live in different cities, and we were tired of getting together to play Jackbox for fun. So we, we thought about playing a role-playing game. Someone threw out Dungeons & Dragons, and we played half a session of that, and decided we didn't like it very much. Uh, so I come from uh, a 
a lifetime of loving horror, and I was kind of looking into different systems that were available. And uh, I'm a marketing professor, so I was looking for podcasts that didn't have much going on in the space. So there was a lot of Call of Cthulhu, but there was no Down Darker Trails at the time, uh, which was relatively new. So I like the Old West, I like horror, and we were one of our cast members worked at Fangoria, and I was thinking, you know, we could maybe get something going here. Uh, one thing that really helped me for podcasts that have been around a long time is I went back and listened to their first episode and all of them apologized for quality. So I didn't want to do that. Every single one had like, we're sorry, quality's not good, skip to season six. And so I committed from the beginning to saying our season one is going to be listenable. So I put a lot of work into, into season one, into producing it. And now that we're producing season two at a higher level, I look back at season one, I'm like, I need an apology. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, but yeah, I kind of got away from the question. But we we really just did it so that we could continue our friendship in a fun way, playing an interesting game together that wasn't Jackbox. So that's it. No, now I want to actually play Jackbox. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the old ways started out with a group playing a a ton of different games. It actually started before pandemic time, so 2019. But the gaming group itself that makes up Mass. Is a group of people I've been playing with for about 25 years. Uh, we are long-form campaign role players at our heart. We do not do a ton of one-shots just because we get super invested. Um, and so I just took that and started dropping electronics and started recording people and driving my wife crazy with cabling and whatnot. Um, and I kind of said, hey, listen, we're going to do this thing. And the larger game that I had at the time, we were playing um, Star Wars. And it was like eight people at the table, and you've got all sorts of types of different players, people that are like, yeah, just let me know when my turn's here. Oh. Uh-huh. And so I kind of had a conversation with them. I was like, hey, listen, we're doing this call for the thing, and I think we're going to record it. I don't know that you're a perfect fit for it. And that's a friend-to-friend conversation that was very tough for us. But it hollowed out eventually into the core group of people that became the, the podcast cast, and then we just started recording it. And we do have... Of an introductory line that says, We're really sorry about the first Oh my god, I was actually excited. I'm so sorry. But it's the first five episodes, to be fair. It's not the first six seasons, in six seasons. Although, by our release quantity, you might think we are. Um, so that's where it started, right? We cranked the engine up and we just didn't stop. And that's where we're here today. The uh, Miskatonic University podcast started. Dan Kramer was the founder, and he put on dogsawbuckfuck.com, he put a call out for people who wanted to podcast. Now, I had done a little bit of podcasting in uh, the comic book realm, and it was just just silly stuff. Uh, But I was like, I love Call Cthulhu, and I feel like I talk a lot if I get the room for it. So I answered the call, Murph answered the call, and uh, you know we we created that, and that's been going on. We're celebrating ten years now. Mm-hmm. You know, two hundred fifty episodes. I left last year uh, just because the the schedule was just outrageous. But you guys are still producing twice a month, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's too many for me. So I went. I had to I had to scale back and uh, and do something monthly. And so that's when I got the idea to uh, change horses and do something with uh, on my own and just call it, you know, something else. And I was going to go with Modern Mythos. And I actually talked to uh, uh, Mike Mason. I was like, 
want to do this other podcast, but I need a partner. Do you have any ideas? He's like, you know, you should ask Seth Sporkowski. And I was like, all right. So uh, how is this going to work? I'm like, I think I'll just say, I just want you to show up and talk, and I will do all the other work, right? Whether it means farming out to somebody else, or but you won't have to do a thing. And so... It, yeah, and, and then there was the animal sacrifices. It worked. It worked. But then, of course, as soon as it worked, Seth was like, you know, I could also convert our, our audio shows, and I'll put it on YouTube for us. And I'm like, okay, he's going to pick up the baton and do some work, but that's awesome. <laughs> and now we, we're celebrating our first year. We're closing in our first year. strong, so it's been so we've been in gaming groups for quite a while. We've got a group of, of folks who've been playing D&D for um, eight years. And when the pandemic hit, we were all we all started meeting online. I'm sure everyone else did. And I've been involved in podcasting for eight or ten years. My wife has a, a very popular podcast in the birth space. Um, and I started engineering her show when she created it. I teach podcasting um, at high, the high school level. And... Um, so they're comfortable with the space, and we thought, well, you know, we're already meeting online. Do we want to just record this thing and, and, and put it up? So we started doing that, and, and it's interesting that you brought up the, the apology question. It, today, the keeper and I of our show were walking across the street to get lunch, and while we were walking, we were talking about, you know, when we started this show, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, we were pretty good at the engineering part and the, you know, the audio quality part, but we tried to do Twitch at the same time. And that put a ton of pressure on us, time-wise, and it was just stressful. And not, it, it actually took some of the fun out of the game. And about six or seven episodes in, we said, you know what, screw this. Nobody's watching us on Twitch anyway. Let's get rid of this. And then we suddenly started getting a lot more comfortable, and the show actually got better. So we had a conversation about, should we put up an apology episode? <laughs> <laughs> so we had that conversation. <laughs> and I still don't know the answer. <laughs> Uh, my, my journey is very different. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm a novelist, and when my debut novel came out in 2014, and authors, they do everything they can to get their name out there. Uh, and the problem is, they all do the exact same thing. So they end up putting on these uh, different groups that's nothing but authors yelling by my book to a bunch of other authors yelling by my book. That's it. And uh, a friend of uh, ours who's older, he's in marketing, and he's like, you need to get a YouTube channel. It's the second largest search engine out there, and that'll get the people you're familiar with your name. I was like, what the hell would I do a YouTube channel? I was like, right, he's like, I've written one book. Um, you know, Sanderson's got a YouTube channel, he's written nine books in the time we've had this conversation. <laughs> and, um, he's like, well, just think And I thought about it, and it went back burner. And about two and a half years later, at the seed of the planet, I had a bad game of just, we were playing, and it was a game that ended with, I was going to have to let go of a player that I've played with for about eight and a half to nine years. Oof. Uh, and it tore me up. And I sat down, and it was a, a, a verbiage friends and I talked about what we call the RPG social contract. And I said, you know what, I, I'm gonna, I gave it some thought, I kind of laid out what it was in my head, it was on a post-it note. It's like, I'm going to record this. And it was like my feeling. 
over the fact that I was ending this eight and a half year uh, gaming frame. And I set up a camera, it's a crappy camera. I had no audio, I used the onboard audio on a cheap Canon point no audio, that's like as bad as you get. I didn't know how to edit, I didn't know, I didn't script it, I didn't do anything. I just did a 25 minute rambly terrible video. But once that was posted and I got rid of comments to the next one and the next one, I very probably too slowly I learned that audio is important and you should buy a microphone. Uh, so I have the first year's worth of stuff I hate if anybody comments. I was like, I don't even want to see those. They're so, so horrible. Because it takes, I think it took me about nine months to learn how to be myself in front of the camera. Because that's uh, one of the big things is you don't really know how to be yourself. Even though that's all you are, is when you put a microphone on somebody, you start naturally taking on some persona or, or stuff. So it actually, it's, that's my hard part. It's probably talk about later. Yeah. So that was kind of my journey. It just once I started, I just kept going. It. But it was never planned. Results therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, phenomenal answers, by the way, guys. That just showed a lot of heart across the board, which is probably the reason why we love the content so much because the characters, the editing. There's just so much heart and love in what you guys produce, and I'm not going to fangirl on you uh, anymore. Because <laughs> I love you guys, and I'm on half of your shows. So. Um, <laughs> Um, Seth, we're actually going to talk about uh, technology, you know, why headsets are the devil, what type of mic you should use, what you need to get started. But I do want to wrap back around to another question that was brought up is, how the hell do you choose what your platform is? How did you choose between Twitch? You said nobody was watching somebody on Twitch. Or how do you choose between YouTube or podcasts? Like, when you're going, I want to share my imagination with others, how do you choose your interest? You want to start with Seth and work back? Yeah, this time? Yes. What's the second largest search engine? I don't. I don't really listen to podcasts. You know, I, I do a ton of audio books, but I'll I'll do YouTube. And uh, since I notoriously don't work with people, John actually is kind of you know the, a magic case where I actually work with uh, I decided I was going to do just a one man show. Which is how so much of my shtick became me working with myself with cheap mustaches. Uh, because. And agree. Well, we always agree on who handles the workload. And me. So that was mostly just, you know, because I wanted to do YouTube. And I, I didn't think of it the way most people thought shows. That's why I don't have a cool, catchy name. You know, I, I chose my giant Polish last name. I was smart. <laughs> it's become cool, it's evolved. They misspelled it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, our bad, babe. <laughs> our bad, our bad, our bad. <laughs> but I think there's a, there's a couple things that go into it. Uh, for me, I'm interested in the podcasting space. Uh, that's what I enjoy, so that, that's, that's my prime focus. I think there's a lot to the, the world's second largest search engine thing. And, and I think that we can probably talk about it from a marketing perspective, too. I think that's part of the decision where you put your show is if you want to try and market it, um, there are the more places you have it, the more potential eyes you have to see it. Um, but I think with the Twitch thing, it, it really started to get in the way of the show. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about the, the technology. 
But my philosophy is that technology, whatever it is, whether it's the platform, the microphones, the, the cables, whatever it is, the technology should get out of the way of you producing content. The content is the important thing. Uh, so if your content is audio, then go an audio route. If your content is more video-oriented, then go video route. And if it go in all of them, unless it gets in the way of you putting out content. What's that? I mean, I really didn't know what we were doing. I, I didn't make any of the decisions on what uh, platforms the Miscontent University podcast would be on. Dan took care of all that in the beginning. You know, Murph was doing editing, and I only had to show up and talk. I didn't do I didn't do anything. Um, and uh, and so then when I started Modern Mythos, I went into this really blind. I still don't edit. We have editors, right? I record, I hand it to them, I go, sorry, this might be perfect. <laughs> and then they make it magic, right? But, I mean, even to this day, Modern Mythos isn't on uh, Apple Podcasts because I can't figure out there's some sort of code thing. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, a bunch of people on the other side of me. I'm just like... Literally, to the right and left. <laughs> <laughs> this exact moment. <laughs> there, there's a, 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 a well, one of you. A sound cloud. Secretly, don't make it easy. Something happens on SoundCloud, and like the first three episodes got on there, and then I guess I hit a capacity on on how much audio or something. Every month, I get an email from SoundCloud and say, "There was an error. I'm loading your file." I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I'm on Spotify. That's <laughs> the idea that you... Yeah. <laughs> do, do I mention one? Do, do I mention two in these in 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> myself, <laughs> thankfully, for knowing I messed up, but 
the technology space, much like what you talked about, do what you are comfortable in doing. And we didn't move to YouTube, we didn't move to Twitch to do anything visual because it's really an element we did not want to have to mess with. Hmm. Because if I go to Twitch, do I have to provide a game board? Do I have to show you where tokens are moving? Do I have to keep you up in all of the visualizations of the combat? It's a lot of work. A lot of work. But just talking to a mic is easy. Right? I mean, most of the time. He was on my phone. I'm, I'm in. I was on the road. And he was like, "Hey, so where do you host? What are you talking about?" He was, well, I'm setting up the same. I have helped him a little bit. Thank you. The episode. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you nice. insight. Like, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Same. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, I do all the, you know, I'm responsible for recording and production and editing. And editing. So you do have someone else writing it, though. And uh, yeah, I really did have a decision when we started about what we were going to do, what medium. Uh, I have better video equipment than I have audio equipment, so I was drawn to YouTube and Twitch temporarily. And I thought I might be too good looking and distract from the games. Uh, no, but uh, we, we had ultimately, we had done podcasting before, and I was really worried about the video equipment of the players to do a Twitch stream or to do a YouTube game. And I didn't want to buy it because we weren't making any money. We were just starting from scratch. Uh, I knew they all had Yeti microphones because they'd done podcasting, and I felt like that was kind of the minimum threshold of quality that I could accept as as the person running this thing. And that's what we did. Season one, we recorded, uh, they all had Yetis and I had a real expensive mic. So uh, I could sound like I knew what I was doing, like technically. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think that one thing we've done now is, so we do Twitch for one shots. We use Crowdcast, which is like paid Patreon video to do one shots for patrons. I rarely convert our video stuff into audio, which a lot of shows do that, like Glass Cannon and all of them. They'll, they'll record their video and then they convert that into a podcast. Our uh, audio podcast is heavily, heavily produced, and I don't want to put any reins on that by playing live and having to yeah. you know, keep certain things, cut other things. I don't want the, the audience to be like, oh, that was a silly decision to cut that part out. So I try to keep the audio like pure, like it's just you only hear, the director's cut is what you're hearing. That's the produced version. Um, and I like to have that level of control. The, our Twitch stuff is like way funnier, and that's why, because I cut out a lot of humor uh, and like silly moments at the table from our produced show, because I think it keeps the audience engaged in the story. But ultimately, I think it's about what your goals are. If, if you are dynamic on camera, if, you're, if you have like this natural woo that's just gonna project over Twitch, then do Twitch. Uh, see what other shows are on Twitch. Maybe there aren't any shows playing whatever game it is you want to play. Go look at podcasts. And if you want to play like masks, you might see there are a lot of shows playing masks. So maybe there's another another forum that doesn't have that. Uh, or maybe you just want to choose a different campaign. But as a marketing professor, I will tell you, go see what's in the market first before you decide. Because if monetization is on the table at all, you need to know what you're competing with for, for you know, ears or eyes, um, and it's helpful to do that before you get started, before you commit to a 120-episode campaign. So, yeah. Is that it? Just 120? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm like, taking off about an accidental shot. No, you're my uh, <laughs> No, they're not. <laughs> I did say I was going to start. You did. 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 You did
So I'm going to kick this question back over to you. Um, and just from a personal experience, when I started with the Miskatonic University podcast, I had a headset. And they were sweet enough to send me a microphone, so I at least sounded a little bit better. And then when I joined Ain't Slay Nobody, Cut sent me, Jesus, what almost, I'm not going to put a dollar box. A lot of boxes arrived from companies I didn't know with boomsticks and windscreens and other shit that I can't pronounce. I still don't actually know what it does because of the quality that this show requires. So we want to start. What's our basic technology setup? What are you guys recommending? What are things we need to look into? What's our price point? And go. Yeah. When I started, I had a Logitech headset with the mic here. Mm-hmm. I just threw that thing away. I what I used that for two years. It wasn't until MUP went to Gen Con at 2014 that Dan Kramer gave me the microphone that I use still to this day, which had a headset and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean I got away with, and no apologies, I got away with uh, Logitech. And one Andy's with Yeah, and one Andy's with it. That's right. Yeah. Now, I think it's important to note that uh, the minimum standard is going up every month. Like, hmm. the, now the new shows, the shows with low budgets, have good audio. So, if you're going to start today with a headset, a lot of people will turn it off during the first episode just because the audio quality doesn't meet their minimum standard. I would recommend going and listening to shows, figure out what your standard is, and then send the keeper or you know whatever game is, send them a note and say, hey, I like your audio, what do you use to record? Hmm. And then compare that to your budget. Everyone's gonna tell you, what, what do you use to record? And uh, if your budget's Yeti, then, then it's Yeti, if that sounds good to you. If your budget's Sure MB7, which is a little bit higher than, than that's your level. Um, if your budget's higher than that, then I wanna work with you. That's right. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, yeah, so I guess for, for our show, we started uh, we started at a living room table, a living dining table with a task and don't do that. Uh, but what we grew into was Yetis, and then from there we grew into where the studio now is, with 70s and racks and the whole nine yards. If you're starting out, though, yet a good Yeti is fine. I want to talk about beyond the microphone, though, because I think it's ten times more important. I'm sorry, can you define Yeti a little more? Because yeah. there are multiple Yetis. There are. So you're, you're using a lot. I'm, I've been doing podcasting industry for a while, but yeah, I sure. know what you're talking about. I'm not sure everybody else does. So, so Yeti so. is a company. They make microphones. Uh, and there are several different models that Yeti will sell. There are models around about a $99 to $120 price point. Right? Sometimes they're called Yeti Blues. Huh. Yeti also makes a snowflake microphone, which is a little circular snowball, sorry, snowball uh, microphone. Um, I have I had a I had a, a, a cast member who used one for a year and a half, and the biggest difference in what I was what I'm getting to is is the room you sit you're in. Hmm. So like your microphone could be amazing, but if your room treatment or the type of place that you're sitting in recording in is terrible, you're never going to get what you want out of that microphone. So I would caution you about getting on your phone and running on Amazon and dialing up a $300 microphone because you want to be a podcaster, right? Think about the space that you're in. I have I have players that record in their closets and they sound fine because it's about the room that you're in, right? So we can talk about space and bags and stuff like that, but we started out with people in closets with moving blankets around them because what I care about is your voice. If I'm not putting you on camera, 
then all I care about is getting the best voice I can get. And you can get good audio from a simple dynamic microphone as long as you're prepared to, you know, sit around with your clothes and maybe you want to assess trench coats or... <laughs> yeah, there are ways to do it. Um, it again, like Cup said, find out what your price point is. Tell me what you're willing to spend. And message me anytime you want. I'm happy to, we'll go through the whole thing. I'll show you where we started out rig-wise, I'll go to where we went then, and then where we are now. I'm happy to share the information. Because there's, there's no reason it should be closed off. It shouldn't be gate-kept from you. It might be. Yeah, I think you're, you're dead on with that last sentiment. Um, and like I said earlier, I think it's all about the content. Uh, and while I would love to be able to use a, a, a 7B, uh, I can't. Um, we do not have that much money. Uh, so my mic is that one you got right there. Um, the Shure SM58 is a great one. Uh, it's one of the best mics ever made. Um, and it's $100. Um, so that's a dribble as hell. Exactly, yeah. And you can get parts for it. Yep. Um, so I don't think you need to spend a bunch of money. And if that is a barrier for entry for you, it really shouldn't be. Hmm. Um, it, you really don't need to have anything. The content's great. Your content's spectacular. People are going to listen. Um, there is a point to, to what Cup said earlier where if your audio is terrible, that, that's going to get in the way of your content. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be spectacular audio. But we've got people with headsets. Uh, we, we've got a couple of our, our players are using onboard microphones on the laptops and, and onboard cameras. And we put that stuff on YouTube. Yes, it's not great. I'd love everybody to have better cameras. I'd love everybody to have better mics, but we just can't afford it. Uh, you know, it's, it, we, are, we have no dreams of monetizing. It'd be lovely. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, my wife shows she's been doing it for eight years. She has advertisers like Warby Parker, and uh, you know, she's she's got eight thousand views or eight thousand listens per show. Wow. Uh, she's been doing it for ten years, and her microphone is one hundred fifty dollars USB eighteen yeah. eighteen twenty twenty. She yeah. sounds wonderful because she's in a great room. Yeah. Um, but it, for her, I, I've told her, hey, you know, you could get a much better microphone. You're making a lot of money with this. Thing. You can get much. And she's like, why do I need a microphone? That sounds fine. I've been using this week for 10 years. Why do I need to change? And that's the case. She's got great content. She's really good at what she does. And the content speaks for itself. That comes first. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is that I, I look at gear as an S-curve with price and quality. And I think you can go a lot. You can go far up that curve with a little bit of money. And then you start going up, and then it really tails off. Yeah. And I think that, that that tail off is right about the 7B and the, the audio box, the audio voice. Those are really the top ones. And then when you spend a ton of money, you're not really getting any difference. Um, no, you're, you're going to start nitpicking between sound engineers at that point, yeah, right? They're exactly. Like, oh, well, you're at this frequency, and you're at this frequency, and mm -hmm. this is here, and this is here's your level. And it's like, okay, yeah. Exactly. You're, but the, what he's getting at, and rightly so, is your listeners will not be able to tell the difference after some after a certain point. So do not spend your money on it. You don't need a three thousand dollar going in mic to run a podcast. And anybody who tells you they do, stop listening to that. They're selling you a microphone. YouTube is going to be very different. Audio is more important than video on YouTube. That doesn't sound like that should be the case, but it's absolutely the case. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to film off your phone, awesome. Uh, I did up until two years ago. The only reason why I stopped is Android did some sort of update to where anytime I move my hands, because I like to talk with my hands, 
that autofocus would grab my hands and rip away, and my face would start moving that. So I then updated to a pretty low-end Canon M50, and it has a feature that locks on my face and won't let it go no matter what the hell else goes on. And that was all I wanted. Uh, but audio is the most important. I use a helmet. I use uh, a Rode SmartLab. And that was because it was a hell mic, it's got great reviews, but worked off of a phone, because that's what I used as my camera. And then when I upgraded to a, a real camera, I had to get this stupid little converter thing, because the, the jacks are all goofy. And the reason that I used that instead of a shotgun is I live in the landing zone of DFW Airport. Oh, God. <laughs> Especially if there's clouds, because that sound bounces off clouds, and those planes sound like they are hovering directly above me for, for long periods. And a shotgun will go right past me, hit the window behind me, and you hear every airplane coming in. So I wanted something that really just focused on the audio uh, around my head and would pick up very little of anything else. Uh, so that's the reason for myself. And I think that might, might be getting close to the end of its lifespan, and I'm going to be buying another Lapelman because, uh, while certainly the shotguns pick up a lot better quality, they'll pick up the quality of that one neighbor that's got a lifted truck that occasionally likes to roar past and all the damn air. So, um, but with video, you just want a, a, a good camera. You don't want your camera to be noticeable for being bad. That's literally. It, but you want good clean audio and uh, lighting. Uh, I tried a lot of different setups. So if you watch, like I go through harsh lighting, too little lighting, stuff like that. I picked up a light kit on Amazon for fifty bucks. It's got two umbrellas, and I'm wonderfully content with it. Um, so it doesn't have the same standards that stuff like you know podcasts do. Because podcasts, it's pure audio. And I guess in their circles, the standards have raised well with YouTube. You get so many regular people that just grab their phone and it's like, well, you YouTube, let me tell you how it is. Let me tell you the entire role play. That, like, it really keeps the, the average standard. All right, Seth, so we're going to stay with you, and I'm personally really interested on this one across the board. Um, what was your goal? All of you, starting with Seth, for starting this. And if it was monetization, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I had a couple of goals. One, uh, at the time I started my channel, I had actually got the point that was able to quit my day job and just write and be the, the house husband to work. And it helped take some of my time because I suddenly had a lot of time. You know, you have all the initial projects you want to do, and you're like, well, I quit my job, I'll do all these projects, keep me busy for months. And like three months later, it's like, well, those are done. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll become a YouTube guy. Um, monetization, at the time, it seemed so far away. Like, I see channels that had 1,000 subscribers, and it was like, my God, I'll never get that far. And, you know, you can see somebody has 5,000. It was like, that's so big, I can't picture it. And uh, at the time, YouTube let me monetize immediately. So I would release a video and I could see that I made six cents. And that was it. That was by a couple days with the work, six full cents. And, uh, you know, I bought my first green screen, well, my own green screen for 
$18, and I thought, this will take me six years to pay off. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack the NPC was born <laughs> to justify my $18 green screen. And, but yeah, he was, I wanted to get my name out there to help redirect people to my books. Uh, problem is I don't like self promo that much, so I didn't mention my books that much. So yeah. like two years into it, I'm like, by the way, I write books. I was like, my God, what? That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Uh, but with the income streams that I get off of it, uh, so YouTube, yes, I, I, I do get money from views, but it is a lot of different small streams. Uh, if you are going to be talking about gaming material, I tell every freaking person that's got a podcast this. We're going to talk about gaming material, like Chaosium products, or D&D, or whatever. Get an Amazon affiliate link, and what? And anytime you post a link to a product, if it's on Amazon, you add your affiliate link to it. Because you make three cents on the dollar of something that people pay for. It doesn't sound like much, but if they follow that link and they go to Amazon, and at that moment they say, you know what I want is a brand new cappuccino machine. Uh, you're going to get the money off the cappuccino machine in addition to the $7 Chessex dice set that you sent. I didn't know that. And it's great right Christmas time. It's got it on Amazon. Went ahead and got all the Christmas presents for the family. And you just got a taste of that. Uh, <laughs> same thing with Draft RPG. Uh, I make a couple thousand dollars a year off Draft RPG links that I was going to give people anyway. But now, Draft RPG gives me three cents on the dollar if somebody follows one of my links to DriveThruRPG and they pick up whatever product it is that I'm talking about and while they're there, they pick a bunch of other stuff. It also helps you keep track of how much you're actually influencing people's decisions. Uh, it's, it's kind of cool because you can pull these reports like, holy crap, I sold 60 copies of this one thing that I mentioned this one time. Um, then with YouTube, I have a, a Teespring store, so it's got shirts with Jack the NPC on and stuff. And that pulls in this one. None of them are enough that I'm going to retire on, but it's enough that when you start putting them all together, it does, it does add up. Uh, it also means tax time of year sucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, so many little, little, little things to get in there. And when you do talk to a lot of the major YouTube stars, they'll all tell you that YouTube is actually one of the smallest pieces of that pie. Uh, and then if you do want to do sponsored videos, I can, I've done one sponsored video and he paid me to be a guest star on another episode of mine. Okay. <laughs> 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 and the, it just depends on what you're comfortable with. But if you're trying to make one thing your only income stream, you really are leaving a lot of stuff on the table. So you want to look at a lot of other things out there. But it took over a year before I actually really made my first penny off of YouTube. So and that was a lot of work before you know, they said we single dime. Yeah. So and we're done for sure. And they changed their monetization structure a ton of times. They, they, they changed it to the current thing, I think, right after I made it through the completion line. Okay, <gasps> oh, that month. <laughs> uh, they're like, okay, Sester, we're changing that. Personally, I feel like if, if you're getting into this for the money, you're probably not in the right business. Um, <laughs> for, for us, uh, we had a thing that we loved. 
loved and that we thought were pretty funny and we wanted to share it. Uh, we figured we're doing this thing anyway. Uh, but let's put it out there and see if other people <laughs> like it. Um, if we ever get it monetized, lovely, that would be great. Um, but for us, it's really more about creating this thing and sh this thing that we love that, I mean, this, the thing that our keeper has written is really pretty spectacular. Um, and, and just being able to put that out there uh, is, is the goal, for me at least. Uh, and all of us have full-time jobs, so we really can't dedicate that much time to all the marketing and, and stuff that we want to do. Uh, so I'll be editing the show that we recorded Wednesday night on the drive home. <laughs> I'll be in the back of the car with the laptop uh, editing the show and posting it for Monday morning. Um, so, uh, for us, monetization is it's one of those things where, you know, if it happens, lovely, um, but that, that's certainly not the goal. The goal is to just do the show and put it out there. Yeah, I mean, same for when I was on MVP and now with Modern Mythos. But we just do it, you know, have enough patrons to pay for it, which is great. I'd love to have more patrons, but right now we're, we're just enough that it's self-sustaining, you know, so... When my wife looks at the bills, she says, what's going on here? I said, it's paying for itself. I just put my, I deposited more back, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> Don't hit me. So, I think I would echo uh, of all three of their statements, but like, I can't stress this enough, and I'm certain that couple too, if you are getting into this for the money, please, Please do not. <laughs> uh, but if you're in this for the passion and you believe that you're passionate about what you do, that other people might be willing to support you, then keep moving forward. Don't let anything get in your way. And that was my mentality in 2019, was just simply refusing to let the dream, because the true dream, right, for me was storytelling. I, didn't actually, I don't, I, I don't think I started out wanting to be a podcaster. I think I wanted to tell a story and I wanted people to hear it. And I had this egotistical belief that it was a good story. Whether it is or not is, is yet to be determined. Um, the jury's out, I think. At least for a while. I'll check with my lawyer out on that. Um, the monetization, as Seth said, again, splitting your streams is super important. If you're, if you're in it to attempt to pay the bills, whatever it might be, you need avenues to do so, right? And there are avenues out there, whether it be Patreon, whether it be a merchandise store of some, some regard, or if it's just simply Ko-Fi or people supporting you in that method, right? So don't, let me, let me make sure that I'm clear with this. Do not be so prideful as to think that you cannot put up some sort of PayPal or some sort of link that says, here, if you want to and drop me a dollar or two, that would be great. Don't you dare think that's not valid. People will support you. Heck, I might. The point is, you have to give people those avenues. So, somebody sitting in this room, and I will happily call out because I love the man. John Sumro helped convince me to start my own page. Because if you do it, you need nothing else people are willing to support. We've got almost 100 Patreon supporters now, and I feel like it's a huge boost. It's wonderful to see people interact with the show in that regard and be able to give them something back. And so just like he told me, I will tell you, if you don't put it up, they can never give you that money. But they want to. So give them the avenue. Whether they do or not, that is for the gods to decide. But you got to give them the avenue. So 
Yeah, so my story is a little different because going back to the need to start with good quality, I had to have a negotiation with my wife. <laughs> it was basically, I want to spend this much money, and this is how long I think it's going to take me to make it back. And when she asked me, she's like, well, what are you going to do with this? You don't really play tabletop that much, so how is this even going to be popular? And I said, uh, I said, well, I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of shows. You were very new at the time. And I said, I think we can be the most popular Call of Cthulhu podcast. And uh, she said, I don't know what Call of Cthulhu is. <laughs> but I consider it was like, you know, the second largest game, and then it could be substantial enough to at least pay for itself. Uh, so, so I talked her into buying the initial equipment, and you know, all the, there are so many monthly fees involved with running things like this. Um, but so my monetization goals have changed over time. The first was to make sure my wife was happy enough with mm. us continuing the show. And then as we launched our Patreon right away, uh, we got 10 patrons before episode one, which I thought was so cool because we had made like a really slick trailer and I was sending stickers out to people. Um, we were, you know, I'm a marketing guy, so I was trying to market, pre-market uh, the show to get people ready for it. And uh, once I saw that we had the 10 patrons, my goals started to change. And I was thinking, okay, my first goal was the show's going to pay for itself, and I'm going to make that really hard to do by spending a ton of money on uh, you know, equipment and sound libraries and uh, sound effect libraries, music, like everything. Uh, we got custom music from Grand Plowman. Like, the, the bills were just adding up and adding up. So uh, our main streams are Patreon and now a Chaosium sponsorship. But the, uh, the, the interesting thing is, like, the, the pa Patreon was the largest portion of that, but as it grew, I was thinking, my goals changed, like, okay, what if I could make enough to send all the players new equipment? And then we did that for season two. And then I was thinking, okay, well, what if we can make enough to pay the players every time we have a recording session? And we hit that threshold. And then it was, what if we can pay voice actors to replace my shitty voice as NPCs on some of the, like, really cool roles? Because... I don't know if anyone here has ever heard me do a female character, but it's not the most convincing thing in the, in the world. Go ahead. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe you've heard my Scottish accent, too. But we, uh, so now, like, season two is much more audio drama style because we have the equipment, we have the, the actors supporting it, we have professional music, and, but, like, at the beginning, I would have told you, like, it's going to take 10 years to be able to get to that level. So I think what happens is, Make your first goal very modest, uh, and maybe it's not that modest, but pay pay for itself. Whether that requires you to scale back your budget, or whether it requires you to aggressively market, and because you do have to market. I mean, to get a bunch of Patreon members, you need to pay Facebook to send out ads. You need to you need to pay Reddit to send out ads. I had I had our trailer on like every RPG Reddit out there. Um, within a month of launching, and that was because I, as a marketer, I felt like I could, I can get this money back if I just get like five new patrons from this ad campaign. It'll pay for itself, and and so that's kind of how I did it. But yeah, you just keep gauging your potential every month, every six months. You know, I'm, I'm a, I do like SWOT analyses and things like that, <laughs> trying to figure out you know, what the hell we're going to do with our podcast. But I do think that. You'll you'll learn pretty quickly whether your show is able to pick up zealots, mm. and you know if you have like a thousand zealots, that's when you can start thinking about quitting your day job. So I uh, kind of watch the watch the zealots. I still have a day job, but watch the zealots pile up, and and you start to think like you know things things are gonna happen. Like you get to a point and like this is working, yeah. and you know it might not make me rich or let me retire, but it's yeah. working well enough. 
And I know a lot of people who run shows that never monetize. They have no ambition to monetize, but they have a hell of a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I have a lot of not fun days because I'll spend 40 hours editing an episode. It's like insane amount of time. But other people, they'll spend two hours editing an episode. It's hilarious. It's terrible quality, but people love it, and they have fun. So it, it really depends on what your personal goals are for you. I knew I had to make money for my wife to let me spend the next 40 hours a week working on something. Uh, so, so that's why I've always had my eye on money. Well said. Gentlemen, you guys are amazing. We are at 11 minutes left in the show, so this is your opportunity to raise your hand and ask questions of the panel or of any panel. That was really smooth how you guys all did the lean back at the same time. That was actually really dope. If I could get that in a slow motion, just that was, that was really dope. Any questions? Oh, I'm going to skip over Al and go right here. Uh, favorite moment that you guys have had so far? Ooh. In game or out game? Oh, uh, 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 in game, in game, in game. Something we've produced oh, so Jesus. far. Not. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say, no, I'll say in a very recent episode of Orient Express, uh, a very uh, one one of the core characters, well, maybe it was the fifth race, something very dramatic was revealed this week, this past Thursday. So, what was it? Not about. Uh, about her character, something that has been seated there for years since the inception of the character was finally revealed. And it was wonderful as a keeper and as a friend of the players to help them on that journey of them finding out and being able to realize who they are and that being that person is okay. And there are some very transformative things that you can do in podcasting space because it is escapism and because we can use it to transform our own mentality. So that does come Yeah, uh, for me, since our show is not a an actual play, it's you know it's a conversation show. I have really enjoyed being able to meet industry insiders. So you know, a big one for me was getting to interview Mike Mason. I thought that was really cool. So, and I've had you know the opportunity to have multiple conversations, to be able to now kind of call them friends. So that's always been uh, something that I never thought would. Happened. I, I've been playing Call of Cthulhu since I was 12 or 13 years old, and at that time, if I was able to look forward in time and go, you're going to be able to write for Call of Cthulhu, you're going to be able to, you know, have friends who are in the company and, you know, you know, be able to be on the inside sometimes, it's, I would not have lived it, so it's, it's, it's a thrill. Uh, I don't think I had one moment, um, but something we st I, st I started doing very early in the show is uh, I, I screwed something up when we first started the first episode. Uh, I was about to start, and I said, three, two, one, go. And, oh, shit. Three, two, one, go. And I recorded that, and I put it at the beginning of the show. So from then on, I started <laughs> noting ridiculous moments, and we have a lot of ridiculous moments on the show, uh, the ridiculous moments that happen throughout the show, and I spend at least an hour every episode pulling those out and putting them into the beginning and the end of every episode, and listening to that every week, I laugh, I sit on my couch and laugh <laughs> listening to how absurd we all are in the show, and that is a favorite moment for me every week. Awesome. Man, I'm at I'm at John uh, to go through. I've just had a weirdo to set up his camera and talk to it for you know a long time, 
to uh, I'm just chatting with a lot of people who were kind of my heroes. Uh, you know, for me, a lot of the, the, the tabletop industry people are, are some of the most influential people that are in my life. Uh, when you go to a convention and Harrison Ford's there, Harrison Ford did the Game of Jones. They did Game of Jones in four movies. It's a total of eight hours. They did Game of Jones. Everybody loses their mind. Uh, uh, Sandy Peterson's given me thousands of hours. Mike Pondsmith has given me thousands of hours. Mm -hmm. uh, these people uh, have influenced me more in just what I do for fun, how my imagination works, and all that, far more. You know, these are uh, very, very impactful people. And to suddenly be able to just sit down and chat with them and uh, have go, go to an industry event and have them know who I am. But Jesus, that's the dream of every kid that ever walked into a game shop the first time. So, uh, for me, that's that's fine. I'm like John. I'm a little fanboy. I'm like, you just have to be here. Runs very fast. So Killing me? Sorry. Trying to kill me? In our very first episode ever, our first session, um, the, the, the guy, Wes Davis, who plays Jeremiah in our show, uh, I, had, I had staged this gun shootout where people were shooting from both sides of a bridge. And he pulled out his 45, and in his old prospector voice, he said, I'm going to turn that guy's femur into mist. And I was like, God, that's a brilliant line. <laughs> and it became like the line for our show. Like, I'm going to turn his femur into mist. And like, femur mist is our thing. I almost got femur mints made. <laughs> but I was like, holy shit, these people are funny. Like, we're on to something. This could, this could really take off. And uh, I just, we always go back to that moment. Great question. That was a great question. Al, I know you had a hand in that. But what, how I? Oh, okay. Oh, I got <laughs> Go it. Go ahead, Alan. So, as far as like, like where your starting point is and where you've made it, how like the escalation for where where those goals are going, is it a big leap of faith when you start moving further up? Um. I think the comment about if you're going to go into like monetization, it's probably not what you want to do. Uh, so for for me, it was kind of like tiny little increments, followed by weird mad rushes of trying to catch up, uh, followed by long periods of tiny little increments. Uh, and a lot of it was having people tell me that I made it further than I realized I had, uh, because a lot of it I still don't feel. I don't know, I, I don't know, I'm feeling different, you know, so I don't really have that that level of incremental goals, I guess. You know, it's like, you know, they're not flying me around the world yet, so I might just have made it. So if you're, if you're talking about it from, from your perspective of, of if you're going to start a show, um, is it a big leap of faith? Um, I don't think so, uh, and I think that when, uh, you know, like I was talking about having investment and, and starting off at a certain level of quality, I think that's a, that's a different mentality than most people who are going to start shows, uh, and I have a lot of respect for it, I really wish I could have done it, um, but I heard a quote a long time ago from one of those sort of power investor guys, those people who write books about, writing books about marketing, um, not necessarily marketing, but, but startups, um, and it was something to the effect of, if if a year after you start your whatever it is, when you go back and listen to 
see your first thing, when you go back and look at your first thing, if you're not embarrassed, you launched too late. Woof. Right? So it, yeah. it just started. Um, you know, whatever that, there's no barrier to entry to do this. If you've got a thing you want to create content, just do it. And whatever happens, happens. As long as you're enjoying the process, it really doesn't matter. You know, my evolution, for my, my thoughts, because that's a good question, is uh, I did the MVP show for nine years, and there was a certain format that we followed. And, and I think it's a great format, and it, and it still works. It's good for a show. But when I decided that I need to kind of alter and change the way that I do podcasting, it actually came into play. So I made certain choices when I was uh, pitching this to, to uh, Seth, and I was like, this show, my goal is to make it evergreen. So, you know, when we're doing our show, we're not talking about what's the latest release because in a year, if someone wants to go and listen to it, that's not the latest release, you know? We don't advertise. We, we hadn't advertised that we were going to come to this con, I don't think, because no. in a year it won't matter, you know? So we try to keep the show evergreen, and we, we make it so that you can listen in any order, and you can listen at any time, and um, the information should hopefully stay relevant to you as a, as a listener. So that was something that I had made a conscious decision, and that was my evolution as a podcaster, where I wanted to do something a little bit different so that our show, uh, it won't, you know, not that it was going to replace, but I didn't want it to be a substitute for MUP. I wanted the same fans who listen to MUP enjoy listening to my show because what I, I see them as, as siblings. Mm -hmm. I love the evergreen phrase, by the way. I love you too, but I'm going to skip you. We've got two minutes left. Any last question? I'm aggressively here. Do you have any advice for somebody who is interested in starting a podcast for their RPG stuff for world setting, but isn't necessarily tech savvy enough maybe to know these programs comfortably? How can somebody get over that hurdle? Because uh, I feel like that might stop a lot of people. I'm one of them. I don't do well with technology. Yeah, so that's me, right? I know nothing. I know nothing, and my job is in IT. I don't know how I got there. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, make friends, right? So th uh, there, make are friends. Of, there are lots of people who want to do this and have lots of friends, right? So... I made friends with people who were going to do the, the recording and, and create the files, and we made friends with people who were tech-savvy enough to do the editing, you know? And so uh, it's, I'm not ashamed to say, I need help, you know? And I just start meeting people and making friends, and, you know, you know if I have to bake goods, I'll, I'll learn how to bake or something. I'll just go back, right? It's got to be... That part though, yeah, and, and and much much like he said in his intro, when you think about it, right? Uh, Muffs won too many, and it did so. Its impetus is Dan putting an ad on a form, right? And so it, it isn't like some marketing team in Amazon put a powerhouse trio together. It's a forum post. It doesn't necessarily have to come from any specific place, but multiple. Opportunities multiply as they are seeds. So if you have a vision for something, there's likely somebody out there that might have, maybe they're not great behind the mic. Maybe they're not a great communicator. Maybe what they are are a technical wizard. 
and they might be they might be interested in doing it because they want something creative to work on, but they're not a creative person in and of themselves in that space. Mm -hmm. And you can work that symbiotic relationship with them. So I'm making the assumption that you know that you're chaos and con, that you're a role player, right? And so if your podcast is going to also be about role playing, find other role players who are also still interested because they're going to like the, the the content that you're doing and they want to have some uh, help in order to do that. And you know, Seth and I, when at the end of our show, every episode, we thank all the people who really help us put this together. You know, we thank our editors, we thank our amazing artist, John Sumro. You know, he's a he's a brother from another mother. <laughs> so yeah, don't be afraid to just start expanding your family and, and get people to surround you and have this team, you know, to do it. And then you can just be the guy that shows up and talks at you. <laughs> <laughs> there are also a lot of tools that can help you if you don't know tech, so we can catch up after throughout time. But it, like Zencaster can help you with recording. The script, you can edit text transcripts instead of editing audio, uh, which a lot of people like to do. So there are tools. And well, YouTube, sorry, YouTube, YouTube. Uh, all the information you could ever want exists on YouTube. Yeah. You will have to spend a lot of time watching things and finding the common threads because people are going to have their own techniques. Yeah. Um, but when you find those common threads, then then you've you've got a meet. Um, but yeah, I'm sure any of us, I, I would be happy to talk to you about it. I'm sure anyone would be happy to talk about it. Every creative medium has an online community. Whether yeah. it be Reddit, whether it be Facebook, whether it be whatever. Join those communities because they're going to be full of people who are very experienced, people who have no idea what they're doing, people who have a little bit of experience. And a lot of them are very eager to help out other creatives in that department. So you can get on there. But like they're talking about microphones, like what microphones should you say? Well, you need to have a three thousand dollars. <laughs> but you know, they they can also help help you get some of the programs that are more user friendly for you to start off with, so you can work your way up to one of the super deluxe expensive ones you have to be a true producer to know how to use. So get involved in those communities. Any any creative meeting you want, there is an online community somewhere, somewhere that would love to chat with you and help you do that. So that's my big advice. Beautiful. Guys, you are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, please give yourself some hands as well. Thank you for being engaged and awesome. And Bridget. Woo! I love you guys. I really do. All right, one more time, panelists. Starting with Cup. Where do we find you, baby? Right, AintSlaveNobody.com or AintSlaveNobody.com or Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your class.